0: and welcome to the second tier podcast i'm ryan dilks and i'm joined by the new year's eve reality to my new year's eve expectations it's justin peach
1: good day to you ryan
0: justin how are you happy new year to you happy new year to you as well i'm very good thank you how are you I'm all right thank you I am all right ready for the new year's celebrations to mark the last day of the year and it just ends, it's the last show of 2021 our first full year of podcasts uh, which I will point out our first full year which hasn't had a multi-month gap because of a global pandemic <laughs> I will point out so this has been our first full normal year do you think it's been a year to remember
1: um I think so I'm trying to remember things Yeah, it's been interesting. Jay Fulton's red card in the playoff final uh, for Swansea against Brentford was quite notable. Ben Bereton-Diaz rising to stardom has been quite notable. Yeah, I think it has been one to remember.
0: Jay Fulton's red card is a very random thing for you to
1: remember. It's the first thing that came to my head, but I just remember him accidentally hacking down Matthias Jensen and him getting a red card.
0: The, first, the first thing that comes to my head is Henry Lansbury hacking down Ryan Manning
1: no, in yeah, a, the
0: Swansea looting game <laughs> from a, a few couple of months ago. Because every time I see it, it just makes me slowly exert air out of my nose at a harsher speed than usual. Um, <laughs> well... <laughs> (laughs) Welcome to the number one championship specific podcast, The second tier, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. We're going to run through all the games that have happened in midweek. I say midweek, I'm really struggling to keep track of what day it is at the moment, Justin. It's really, really Mm. messing with my mind. But it is midweek games that we're going to be going through. We've got seven games for us to discuss. So more than we did at Boxing Day at the very least. So uh, yeah, we're getting a bloody nose at this rate uh, we're going to talk about all those games talk about some of the news from the past few days including transfer news and then we'll finish off with the craig bryson pub quiz right at the end but before we get underway dear listener let me tell you about our friends at fans Bet, the fan-led sports betting company committed to supporting charities and causes Which are important to fans? You can get a terrific welcome offer of bet ten pounds, get thirty pounds plus ten free spins when you sign up using the link in the description of this podcast. UK mobile registrations only. Terms and restrictions apply. Full details on site. Eighteen plus. Please do gamble responsibly. Visit begamaware.org for more info. And do also check out FansBet responsible gambling tools. Derby, they won again. This time, it was a 2-1 victory away at Stoke. And I hate saying this, Justin, because it's so cheesy and slightly patronising.
1: But this Derby team, they don't give up, do they? They don't. They don't. It's um, its quite interesting, actually, to see the contrast in supporters' uh, mindsets towards the football club and the team in general. I think this is... I was at the game last night and I was speaking to my dad um, while we were walking back to the car. And it's as close as we felt to a, to a Derby County side probably since the mid-2000s. Um, just the circumstances that they're playing in at the moment is, is unreal and they're getting results. They're out out fighting teams, out playing teams, as they did against Stoke um, last night and it's, yeah, it's an absolute pleasure to watch.
0: Well, with this Derby side, you'd expect them to be, as you say, out fighting, but instead they actually did outplay Stoke last night, didn't they? They were the better team and fully mm-hmm. deserved at least three points from this game I say at least three points but what else can you get um, but yeah they, they at least deserved uh, they, they deserved the three points is what I'm trying to say um, I think Stoke weren't at their best but yeah Derby definitely the better side in this particular contest 19 year old Luke Plange scored again hmm. a really well taken goal to his movement to create the chance was really good he's really excited to see from a exciting young player Derby's winner in the 85th minute through Colin Chazam-Richards led to limbs in the Derby away end, Justin, from what I saw on camera anyway, whether uh, you were providing the limbs yourself, I'm not too sure.
1: I was a bit to the right hand side, so in terms of providing limbs, not necessarily, I was jumping up and down, fist pumping, is that okay. in the realm Flaving of limbs? your arms in the air? Yeah. yeah. Is that what constitute limbs? I, I'm not really too sure. <laughs> no, it I was one of those um, you know, those inflatable things at the uh, yes. car lots, it was a bit like that really. No no rhyme or reason to it. Just flailing my arms. And bending over in weird directions.
0: <laughs> I would love to see that. Um, it, it is worth pointing out, the winner was helped by some <clears throat> terrible Stoke defending. I, they had three defenders and none of them decided to pick up the only Derby player. He was free. I, I really don't understand what they were doing. But um, I know we weren't going to talk about this until after January, Justin. But it feels like we'd be avoiding the elephant in the room if we don't at this point. Say Derby do keep hold
1: of the majority of this squad.
0: Do they stay up?
1: (laughs) Um, Oh Wow, it's still incredibly difficult to answer because there's still a lot of variables at play. I think Derby have been quite fortunate. I know they're missing players themselves, but they're also coming up against teams who haven't played many games. Um, You look at Stoke, they look like a team who hadn't played for three weeks. West Brom looked like a team who hadn't played for a couple of games as well, whereas Derby, I think, were a bit sharper. Obviously, they had that Blackpool game. Um, But as well as that, as I say, Derby are are lacking numbers as well. They're having to play Luke Plange. Um, I still think they need to create more chances. They did against Stoke yesterday, which was nice. We had shots inside the box. That was nosebleed territory uh, itself. Um, But I do think if Derby can maintain the squad as it is, I think they've got a very good chance. There are teams that are down there that are really poor, and I think that's what's in Derby's favour at the moment.
0: Massively. That is absolutely in Derby's favour. The most remarkable aspect of this, for me, Justin, is that Derby's squad is probably weaker than it was last season. And that side only stayed up by the skin of its teeth. But here we are with the fact that if it wasn't for the points deduction, Derby would be sat 13th, (laughs) which is mental. I mean, they're only four points behind Stoke. Stoke yeah. look, were looking like they were a really good bet for the top six earlier in the season. So that's it. Only four points separate them now if it wasn't for the points deduction. But it is amazing how well they're doing. I don't think anyone imagined this even being a realistic possibility. But as the weeks go on, you're looking at it thinking, hang on a second. Um, I, I think they'll have no choice but to get rid of a couple of big earners in January. I think Tom, Tom Lawrence in particular is someone I'd be surprised to still see in a Derby shirt in February but the real ace up their sleeve is they've still got Christian Bielik to come back who was their best player um January is going to give us a better idea though isn't it if they sell five or six (coughs) of their best players which they simply may be forced to do it's going to be difficult um to actually see it happen isn't it but Rooney has said they won't be sold without his say so so we'll see um Justin, this was Stoke's first game in nearly three weeks. As uh, you alluded to there, in that time, teams have jumped ahead of them in the queue for the playoffs. And I feel as if their chances have dwindled over the last month or so. But it is worth pointing out, they've still got a very good squad. If they recruit well in January, it could all change, couldn't it?
1: January is a massive month for Stoke. I feel like if if they... Uh, maintain the squad that they've got. Um, complete contrast to Derby, for example. And If they main, if they maintain the co- uh, squad that they've got, I don't think they'll get into the top six. And that is because they've lost a lot of the spine to injury. Harry Souter, Romain Sawyers, uh, Nick Powell, uh, Joe Bursic, they've all, they've all got injured. Um, I know some of them will come back, but still you're missing a key core of your squad um, for a long period of time and, and performances over the last few weeks. I know they haven't played games over the last few weeks, but in December, a little bit in November as well is what I'm getting at. Um, performances have shown that. And you look at yesterday, for example, they couldn't play through the thirds. They're missing someone like Remain Soyuz. Joe Allen, in the nicest possible way, didn't inspire, let's say. He's a very experienced player, but he was run ragged by Lee, Tom- Liam Thompson, who was absolutely fantastic. Um, and they couldn't get hold of him. Same with Sam Clucas, who was a passenger, actually pretty much provided the assist for Ravel Morrison to then assist Colin Kasim Richards for the Derby winner. Um, there's a lot of fine-tuning that needs to be done at Stoke. I do feel for them they have lost players, but at the same time, if you can't rely on them squad players like Joe Allen, like Sam Clucas, then what chance have you got again in, in getting into top six?
0: Fair point. It was a shock at the city ground as Forrest lost 1-0 to Huddersfield. I watched this game live, Justin. How Forrest didn't score here, I have no idea. The whole second half was virtually attack-free defence.
1: Yeah, it was um it was I tell you what, it highlights the need for a, a, a goal scorer for Forest um massively. Um the 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 goals they lack in and around the squad. Um, and an, an, over, an over-reliance an on Lewis Grabbin showed in this game um, but there were so many chances that went wide of the best Lee Nicholls got man of the match uh, according to who scored uh, he made a lot of saves but as well as the saves Forrest obviously missed a ton of chances Brendan Johnson had a, a massive chance where he mm. pretty much had an open goal in, and he hit it wide it's frustrating it probably should have been three points for Forrest he should have scored four or five it wasn't to be um, I think you look at this game and you go we just weren't quite at it I think Huddersfield showed a different side to the game to one they showed in in recent weeks, um, which probably didn't help Forrest either.
0: I don't, well, you can't really even point the finger at Graben for this, because he only had two no. shots, yeah. and I don't really recall him having you know, a good sight of goal at any point, but it was the likes of Johnson, as you say, Zink and Argel. Two players, by the way, who I think have got four and five goals this season, so it's not like they're woefully misfiring. Mm-hmm. Zink and is one in particular who I look at and think, you've had some big chances this season and the fact you have only got four or five goals um, is a sign that you should be doing a lot better. And I, I worry if uh, Zink Nagel might be someone who gets replaced in January window now that Forest are bringing in a striker, which we'll get on to later. So it'll be interesting to see if they do bring in anyone else in January. Um, it, it is... It, it, they just seem to lack all composure in front of goal, and in this game in particular, seem to be snatching at chances. It must have been so frustrating. But Forrest have now gone from one loss under Steve Cooper to two losses in a matter of days. But fans can rest easy that they've got Barnsley on Monday, which is an automatic three points, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. um Three wins on the bounce now for Huddersfield, Justin. I've got to say, as far as three wins go, haven't been too convincing. We're lucky. Uh, To get anything from this game, Blackpool, Blackpool, they were down to 10 men for nearly half the game on Boxing Day. The Bristol City bit was quite good in fairness, but Huddersfield still in the playoffs. We've got to give a bit of credit to Carlos Corbra Justin because even though we're sceptical about whether they actually will finish in the top six or even around there come the end of the season, they're still doing a hell of a lot better than last season, aren't they?
1: The fact that they're even competing should be seen as a, as a massive success with the squad that they've got. Because when you look at the, the individuals within the squad, there's only a few really, really talented players where you think you're top six quality. The rest, I think, are are just average championship players um, and maybe even maybe even less than that. So you've got to give a lot of credit to Cole Brown for that. Um, and yes, yeah, they might not have convinced over the last three games, but nonetheless, they've picked up nine points in, in three games. I think this game showed, as I, as I was alluding to earlier... Um, showed a different side to, to what they've shown in the last two games. The last two games against Bristol City and Blackpool were, were quite chaotic, quite open um, whereas this one okay, Forest had a lot of chances but they didn't score everyone was was disciplined and on, on, on form. They're obviously missing Tom Lees which isn't useful or isn't helpful for, um, for Huddersfield but nonetheless they picked up three points in a clean sheet and it's more momentum going into the new year where they can they can add to the squad, which as as we mentioned in the last episode that they need to. Mm.
0: Defensively they have really been night and day compared to how they were last season. They were shambles last season at the back, but this yeah. season they've been much, much better. I think Lewis O'Brien is playing the best football I've seen from him so far. Obviously mm-hmm. he's still a young lad, but he's probably playing he's probably in the form of his life right now and was running things in the middle of the park for Huddersfield. Um on Thursday night forgetting what day it is Um but yeah <laughs> Mid- Huddersfield mid-week. yeah in the midweek um, Huddersfield yeah they're, they're looking a lot better than they were last season question marks over certain gaps in the squad, which could hinder them as the season goes on but you know considering they've been in relegation battle for the last couple of seasons this is a, a much fresher taste for them isn't it <laughs> um, Bournemouth 3 Cardiff 0 as straightforward a win as they come really Justin Cardiff had a good couple of chances in the first half but when Bournemouth were goal up they had one of the most blatant red cards I think I've ever seen from Leandro Bakuna for Cardiff a two-footed lunge from behind it's one of them where you wonder what on earth is going through his head
1: yeah I, I thought Bakuna was still 24 25 but I googled I had a quick google he's, he's 30 years old and he's making that sort of challenge. Um, uh, I think it's I think it's a disgrace because he let his teammates down essentially. Because um, you say it was a straightforward win, but Cardiff had a chance just before Bournemouth scored, and then he had a chance just before, just after um, Bournemouth scored as well, where Travers made two decent saves from from Keith and Moore. So it could have been a different game. They were in the game up until Bakuna got sent off. Essentially, he's cost his team um, a chance of, of getting a result against a top top team in Bournemouth. Um, really frustrating. Not sure what was going through his he head. I mean, a trip would have been sufficient, or even a shirt pull. But he said he wanted to, he wanted to break Philip Billing, which was just absolutely bizarre. Watching an experienced player do that,
0: yeah, it, it's bad from a team perspective because obviously, as you say, Cardiff were still in the game at that point. But it probably is the worst tackle I've seen in the championship in terms of the pure stupidity of it. I mean, there have been bad ones before. I'm thinking uh, that Van Heck one earlier in the season, yeah. um, but at least. In that case, I think that was accidental. And in other cases, you could say they're going for the ball. This was just a malicious hacking down of a fellow player. And I hope he gets a long ban for this because Billing could have been seriously injured. The way he's landed on his leg after the tackle as Mm -hmm. well, it's really, really nasty. And he's lucky not to have been seriously injured. Um, You just can't be doing that on a football pitch and needs to be punished for it. Um, I think it would be punished by Cardiff as well for uh, the pure stupidity of it at that time as well. But from that point on, it was all very routine for Bournemouth Want It after the red cards. Um, they didn't really even get out of second gear and just did their job rather comfortably. Dominic mm-hmm. Solanke scored a very well-taken goal. He's back at it again, uh, which is a big boost for them. And Scott Parker will be hoping that's their poor form. Definitely gone now that they've got two wins on the bounce. Um, I'm not going to pretend like this is a disastrous result for Cardiff, Justin. I don't think many people were expecting anything other than a Bournemouth win, but the table doesn't make for great reading, does it? I was expecting Cardiff to pull away, but as time goes on, I'm becoming less and less convinced about that happening. Are you?
1: Um, I think they are in the realm of, of... yeah. A relegation battle which is what makes the, the Bakuna Red card even more sort of rage inducing from a card perspective because he's going to be banned for three games now or at least three games Um so he's he's, he's one less that they're a player down they haven't played for a couple of weeks might have players impacted by COVID you need everybody available so losing an extra player for, for something stupid like that is, is is so frustrating and from a from a relegation battle perspective yeah they are down there when I mentioned earlier about Derby and that bottom bottom sort of six or seven teams they are quite poor Bristol City fall into that category as well Um, so yeah I think they do need to they're another team that will need to add in January just need a bit more quality in the forward department um, a bit more support for Kiefer Moore because that's that's an area that they, they need to improve drastically if they don't they could really really suffer in the second half of the season
0: Well two things on that first off need to add in January we are talking about obviously Keith exactly. Moore someone who's mm-hmm. been brilliant for the last few seasons they've got James Collins someone who's been a consistent goalscorer in the championship prior to this season where he's had a bit of a mare um they brought back Max Waters now so they've got plenty of striker options um but none of it seems to be working I, I think they still definitely need to add in the final third in terms of creative creativity so they've got is Ryan Giles and Ruben Colwell if neither of them are on form, then they're mm-hmm. struggling, really, aren't they? But the problem is with Cardiff, they haven't got much money. How are they yeah. going to afford to bring in you know, these players that they so desperately need unless it is a really cheap loan or essentially free transfers? So I'm worried about Cardiff. I don't think they will be able to strengthen that much in January, which is something they desperately need to do. And if that doesn't happen, then they're only going to carry on being this team who are just hovering above the relegation zone and with the likes of Derby picking up it's a worrying time it's worth pointing out as well Isaac Davis came on as a substitute only a young lad but was then taken off half an hour later I don't think he was injured he may have been injured that's the only explanation I can provide but if he was not injured, it seems very harsh on a young lad to be doing that. But nonetheless, there were unbelievable scenes at Bloomfield Road in the game between Blackpool and Middlesbrough. It was 1-0 to the visitors in the 90th minute until Blackpool equalised and then Burrow went straight up the other end and scored the winner. Justin, the scenes, the limbs.
1: Yeah, it all, it all kicked off towards the end of the game, didn't it? It was it was uh, absolutely bombing. Mean, that's what the championship is all about, isn't it? But it was quite an open game as well. Both teams created a lot of chances. Um, so how it how it finished two one um, is, is is a mystery to me. But yeah, this was this was a fantastic game. You devastated as a Blackpool fan, buzzing as a as a Borough fan, and very happy as a neutral because there's plenty to talk about in this game.
0: Yeah, absolutely, you're spot on there with the assessment of the game considering Blackpool have been in such poor form recently and Borough just being a better team than them it would have been a poor result for Borough not to win they obviously kept it interesting nonetheless Um, 16 points from a possible 18 for Chris Wilder's boys they continue to be absolutely flying and the thing was before for me, Justin that yes, the table was looking very good for them but they still had played more games than everyone else. So there was always that caveat, but if they keep tanking along at the rate that they are, then that could end up being a distant memory, couldn't it? Teams catching up with them.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I'd prefer to be in a position where teams carried on playing rather than having to postpone games. Obviously it's out of the, out of hands of of, of teams, but it's, it's worked for Derby, for example, it's worked for, for Borough. Um, and I think having that momentum at a key point, um, it is helping is helping Middlesbrough because Wilder needs Wilder needs games to to get his points across. Um, you're seeing players improve massively. I think that's the the key thing with Wilder. He not only improves teams tactically, but how they're improving. Um, how how he's improving individuals is fantastic. Sparar looks dangerous. Duncan Watmore is Duncan Watmore. No point for talking about him because he just does what he does. Um, but defensively, Dyke steals great. I know he made a mistake um, against Blackpool, but Just individuals are improving massively and the tanking along, it's hard to see when it's going to stop because they are are so good under Wilder.
0: And as we keep saying, they're going to strengthen in January, Mm -hmm. aren't they? I think you're absolutely right. Them being one of the handful of teams that haven't had any games postponed at the time of recordings I think their game on New Year's Day or the day after New Year's Day is going to be postponed Um, I think that has helped because it's all about momentum isn't it and the confidence Mm -hmm. is high now everything's looking up at everything's looking rosy at Borough and even though they haven't been able to strengthen yet with Wilder in charge they are now heading into this January transfer window thinking well, things are only going to get better. And players are fighting for their place in the team, aren't they? Because they know that Borough are going to strengthen. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone's trying to um, play as well as they can and give it 100% effort. Everything's looking good at Borough. And at the time of recording, I'm looking at it now thinking I, I struggle to not see them finish in the top six at the way things are going. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, all looking very good for Middlesbrough right now. Poor Blackpool. Poor, poor Blackpool, Justin, and Neil Critchley. A draw here would have been a big result for them, but it wasn't to be. It's now five losses from six for them. Similar to Borough, they've obviously played more games than the teams below them as well. But there isn't as big a gap there between them and Borough as it is for Borough, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. It'll be interesting to know where Blackpool are in a month's time, won't it? Could you possibly see them looking over their shoulder?
1: I don't think so. I think they're too good going forwards. There are question marks defensively, um, and not necessarily how they set out, but just individuals. They've had to rotate the defence around quite a lot. Um, James Husband's played at centre half. Keo's been in. Um, Gabriel's been in as well. They've had to rotate fairly often. Um, they haven't really had a settled back line throughout the season. You look at teams, um, it, you know, it, in and around them. Carly's back line is, is pretty, pretty consistent, um, Swans is consistent, um, Blackpool's a lot of chopping and changing, I think that's sort of where they've suffered a lot this season, but I think going forwards they're very, very good, you saw here against Borough Borough are very good at um, at taking the ball off you, uh, they're very good out of possession but Blackpool still created a lot of chances didn't take them, it's not always going to be United. we saw with, with Forest, wasn't their night the same with Blackpool, wasn't their night, it was a good home performance I think Borough were just slightly better
0: Spot on just Justin let's have a quick break after that we'll talk about the rest of the games for midweek in the championship and then move on to some of the news Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. Just a reminder, we've got a YouTube channel. If you go there and search Second Tier, then you'll be able to find more great content from us. We've got a video coming up in the next Day or so, uh, where it's me and Ben HD, YouTube legend and championship legend. Uh, We go through our table predictions for the rest of the season. So make sure you tune into that. Subscribe and you'll get more great content from the likes of us. QPR scored in the 92nd minute to win 2-1 away at Bristol City. Another game with sensational limbs after Johan Barbe scored. Got to be said, I thought QPR were very bang average. But hey, three points... You can't complain, can you, Justin?
1: No, you can't. I mean, how many times have we said that about QPR this season where they've been very average and still picked up three points? Um, You've got to admire it. You really have um, the the character to to keep pushing for for a goal. um, Is there... It's, it's slightly frustrating that it just, there is a lot of quality in this squad and they're not all clicking at the same time but nonetheless it's another three points and the question marks we had over QPR as to whether or not they, they'd fall out the, the playoffs because of this massive gap in games that they had sort of that, that distance itself a little bit because they get back they don't they don't play very well but they pick up three points and it's positive confidence going into the next game
0: I'm not sure it has distances itself yet because they weren't very good here. They, it is worth pointing out they didn't have Elias chair. He was missing and I'm not actually sure why he was missing. It may have been COVID, but whatever the case, it feels like he makes them tick and they don't look anywhere near as good a side when he's not there. So there is that caveat as well. But yeah, I wasn't particularly convinced by QPR. But as you say, it's not the first time, is it, that we've said QPR didn't play very well here, but they got three points that the makings of a good side? That's up for debate. It's worth pointing out that Bristol City were down to ten men for more than half an hour after Andy King was sent off. There was also a penalty shout in the first half of Bristol City, which I simply cannot believe wasn't given. Just as, as far as
1: blatant penalties go, that's uh, that's right up there. It was clumsy. I can't remember who made the challenge. Was it Dicky? Um, it was quite clumsy, but I think was the challenge on Alex Scott as well. Um, I think because Alex Scott is quite small and the referee's view on it wasn't the best, I think that might have sort of swayed him towards it being quite a soft one. Um, maybe, I'm trying to defend the referee because I don't I don't think it was as clear-cut as, as others um, have been. Like, for example, Pring, um, the Pring foul was, was very clear-cut, whereas this one may not have been based purely on the referee's angle. That's all I'm saying. I... I- can't see how there's any defence
0: for that. Decision. VAR.
1: That's all you've got to say is VAR. VAR, clear that up very quickly.
0: We'll just keep seeing same VAR for every championship referee-related <laughs> decision because it's becoming very apparent, isn't it, that they do need help. This was an absolute clangor of a decision, and considering there was a penalty for QPR a few minutes later, that was a penalty. But I thought the Alex Scott foul was more of a penalty than that one. It was a
1: similar type of challenge as well. Very similar,
0: yeah. So yeah. I can completely understand why Nigel Pearson and Bristol City fans are so frustrated. Nigel Pearson said after the game that the referee should be refereeing in the parks, which is uh, hmm, interesting. Um, but yeah, 18 year old Alex Scott scored, which is a positive for a Bristol City uh, perspective. His third of the season as well. He's having a great season. Bristol City, though, have now conceded six goals after 90 minutes, the joint most in the division. Only. Uh, the the most ninetieth minute goals conceded last season was five, so Bristol City have topped that already in early half halfway right through the season. So uh, it's a definite weakness for them. Blackburn two, Barnsley one. Not much really to report from this game. You'd have expected Blackburn to win, and they did their job.
1: They did. Um, it's I mean how how much more can we praise Blackburn? Um, it's sort of this this winning run that they're on is is. Kind of very difficult to analyse from our perspective because we can just say the same thing every week. Because the same thing every week pretty much happens where Brent Barrington-Diaz scores, um, Blackburn play good swashbuckling at times, attacking football, and and, and and the players start to perform. But I think one player I really want to shine out on is John Buckley. He was playing right back earlier on in the season for Blackburn. He played as a number 10 here against Barnsley, picked up two assists. He's now got uh, four assists in his last six games and a goal he's really proving to be uh, a useful player for, for Blackburn in the final third and they're utilising the squad a lot more. Um, this change in formation for, for Rovers that Mowbray's done with the with three at the back has, has made them a little bit more solid but still got that attacking uh, emphasis going forward as well. So it's hard to see where they stop, it really is.
0: Buckley is someone who's really impressed me for Rovers this season. He's someone who does the dirty work, isn't he? But he's such an intelligent young player and has just been consistently brilliant across the course of the season and I don't think many people had high expectations for him at the start of the season I think he was just kind of a a young lad who was filling Mm. in here every so often but he's ended up being one of Blackburn's best players this season obviously Ben and Diaz steals the headlines but John Buckley is one of those who does the work that doesn't get as much appreciation but is equally as important Um, obviously I was sceptical about Blackburn in the start of this winning run but the past few results. You can't take anything away from them. Sixth win in a row now. Level on points with Fulham as well, which is pretty <laughs> incredible, isn't it? Uh, I don't think this result particularly tells us any more about Blackburn, to be quite honest, because Barnsley are fairly atrocious. We'll get on to them in a sec. Um, but I'm, I've still got my um, worries about whether this is going to last, purely because of that man Ben Brereton-Diaz and whether he stays in January. Worth mentioning the unbelievable bet at the start of the season. I think it was given some airtime at some point, but uh, Sky Bet were given odds of 1,000 to 1 for him to score 20 goals. And that's obviously now come in only halfway through the season, which is just incredulous. And well, I mean, it's incredulous that anyone was giving those odds out anyway. Mm. I'm just so annoyed at myself for not backing it myself.
1: (laughs) It'd be interesting to see if anyone's Gone for the thirty goals as well, what the odds are on that, especially the early season form from from the uh, Brighton to see if anyone's gone. Actually, let's we'll, we'll see what we can do with uh, with even more goals.
0: I don't know why they were giving one
1: thousand, but anyway, he got double figures last season, didn't he? So I think he only scored about six last season. I don't think he hit double really? figures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Double figures. No, it was all Adam own. Armstrong last season. But yeah, the two pound gets you two grand. Very happy.
0: Not bad days at work, is it? Uh, Barnsley only managed two shots on this game, which is above par by their recent standards. It's uh, just quite sad looking at Barnsley now, isn't it? Because they look as if they're slowly being cut adrift from the rest of the teams who are safe in the championship. They've gone from playoff semi-finalists to being a very realistic chance that Derby could finish above them. They're just hopeless, aren't they?
1: Yeah, I mean, at what point do you concede the fact that you're not going to improve? Um, again, it's a big, massive transfer window for Barnsley because this game and the last five or six games shows that there's not enough quality in this side. Um, they're having to rely on too many individuals like Carlton Morris, Callum Styles, for example. Um, and it it's not necessarily fair on them. Um a lot of players need to, to pick up the slack, and as well as that, have we seen signs of improvement under Asbarghi? There's been there's been f- flickers of light at times they're harder to beat beat, but at the same time they're not really improving anywhere else Um, but you say harder to beat they still haven't picked up a win under us I think he's the first manager in about 50 years who hasn't won any of his first six games for Barnsley Uh, I saw that stat on Twitter which is quite barmy Um, I do feel for him as well because the squad that he's got available to him shows that it's not good enough and and Woodrow's been linked with a move away and he hasn't been involved since then and he's lost his captain so where do they go from here? It really is difficult to see.
0: It is worth saying the fewest wins in a championship season is Blackpool in 2014-15. They got four wins all season. Barnsley have two. They've been halfway through the season now. problem is, as you were saying, they haven't come near to winning a game recently, have they? Mm-hmm. So I'd be very worried about that record being broken because I think there's a very very good chance that it may very well happen and finally there was a really impressive win for Millwall they got a 1-0 victory away at Coventry impressive in itself but all the more so considering the Lions had a Covid outbreak and only had 15 senior players to choose from so hats off to Gary Routert and the players Justin
1: yeah I mean they set up to be solid in this game and it showed they had to be because of because the amount of disruption they had with training and, and player availability it was a gritty win um it's something that yeah we'd like to see more of from Millwall um, this season, but it's it's a good result away at Coventry. We know that Coventry's home record is good, hasn't been as, as good of, of late, but nonetheless, it's a good result away from home. That keeps them in the, the hunt for the playoffs, keeps them in that little chasing group. Um, and yeah, it's a top, top wing, as you say, considering um, all of this disruption that they've had.
0: Well, definitely, and for any long-time listeners, they'll know fully well how reliant Millwall have been on Jed Wallace for the past few years. Jed Wallace wasn't here for that, and that is just great for Millwall in so many ways, isn't it, that they've shown Mm -hmm. that they can win against a decent side without Jed Wallace. Uh, They even had 15-year-old Zach Lovelace on the bench. He got a run out right at the end. Great name in itself, but uh, uh, yeah, he got a game... Um, I, he only got a couple of minutes, but that was nice to see. He revealed after the game that he was actually doing his homework on the way to the ground as well, which is just brilliant. Um, at, want it's to the know holidays. what was? He still got homework to do. It's disgraceful. Want to know what was in the charts when he was born, Justin?
1: No, I don't think I do. Well, <laughs> 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 tell me anyway. Um,
0: he's 15 year old. When he was born, Shane Ward. That's my goal. Was number one. Nisloppy, the JCB song. Oh <laughs> wow! Wow. Uh, James Blunt, "Goodbye My Lover," all in the charts when he was Jesus. born. He, he, I mean, he's twelve years younger than us, Justin. God.
1: Yeah, it's so scary, old. isn't it? We are so
0: old. <laughs> Goodness me. Uh, Millwall up to eleventh now, just a few points off the top six. It's the first time Coventry. Uh, have played in more than two weeks whether that had an effect on them I'm not sure it wasn't a particularly bad performance but it is no winning six now and the playoff challenge which was looking fairly promising early in the season is fading away rather quickly isn't it something you actually said not too long ago Justin, and got mercilessly torn apart by Coventry fans as a result
1: Yep, I'm not going to I'm not going to gloat. I don't want to gloat, but you know, looking at performances in in November time, you could you could see the drop off coming that was a big drop off in in individual performances. Um a lot of players are, are struggling to consistently um keep up uh, I guess with the numbers that they produce at the start of the season. Kalem O'Hare, for example hasn't been able to hit that early season form again. Um the same with 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 um, Victor Gaia-Cares as well. But nonetheless, they've got a good squad and if they had a couple of more players, they could still be in that playoff race. Um, It just depends whether or not they can get back to that that form that they had at the start of the season because they were very, very good. It's a shame that they've dropped off now.
0: Well, I'm not sure actually Callum O'Hare was playing as well as he was last season at any point this season, particularly. His actual numbers in terms of goal contributions are fairly atrocious aren't they and it fi- yeah. his final ball has been a problem for quite some time and it doesn't seem to have got any better Victor Jokic is the obvious one isn't he? he's gone from there to down there so quickly in terms of the drop off mm-hmm. of his performances um, and then the rest of the strikers just quite simply don't seem to be championship quality strikers do they and scores every so often but is it consistent enough um, that Coventry need to um, for goals, I, I, I struggle to see it, to be quite honest. But defensively, they're still solid. It's just going forwards, into it, where the problems lie. And yeah. they're lacking quite a lot, unfortunately. And that's why I think top six is uh, looking very, very unlikely at this stage. Justin, it's now time for this. Yes, it's time for the news. And the EFL has stopped the need for clubs to test players for COVID-19 on match days in an effort to prevent late postponements. It's after Blackburn's game with Hull was postponed two hours before kickoff, The EFL accept the situation was not ideal and believe that testing every day apart from match day is enough. Um, good to see the EFL are doing something about it, I suppose, Justin. I suppose... This may be kind of aware of the EFL conceding that they may have been at fault for the whole postponement because many people are pointing fingers at Hull, weren't they? Mm. But if you actually read into it a bit more, then you could probably see that the EFL were maybe at fault for it as well.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'll apologise to Hull. I, I even pointed the finger. I was quite disappointed with them, But it clearly, it's just, it clearly is seen that it is the EFL's fault because of the protocols they put in place. That's been amended and we can move on from this terrible, terrible saga we have faced.
0: Absolutely. Speaking of postponements, at the time of recording, two games have been called off so far over the New Year's Day round of games, although I have seen various reports about squads suffering outbreaks, so I'll be surprised if there aren't more after we've finished recording. Bristol City have reported pre-tax losses of more than £38 million for the 2020-21 financial year it's nearly four times their losses compared to the previous year the club's blamed it on the impact of having to play behind closed doors and a big drop in profits from selling players ceo richard gold called the losses extremely serious and i'd say that's a fair assessment justin he's
1: he's good at his job isn't he <laughs> <laughs> um, it is. A, it is a problem. I I got pelters a couple of years ago when I pointed out um, that Bristol City's um, format, shall we say, was unsustainable in terms of selling players because you've got to keep recruiting good players to replace those good players that have been sold for high uh, high value. Um, and they didn't do that. You look at Nike Wells, for example, four million pounds, twenty twenty five grand a week. was uh, a 30 years old. signing. Yeah, yeah absolutely, it? it was. Absolutely, was. Um, and they're also relying on, on youth players coming through. I know they've got Alex Scott, for example, but there's been a big gap between the likes of Joe Bryan and Bobby Reid breaking through and Josh Brownhill to, to, to now. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a big problem for Bristol City and I think it's going to be a massive, massive reset for them. They got close to getting promoted um, to the Premier League or, or or at least getting into the playoffs to have a chance of getting promoted to the Premier League. That's as far as it got. I think there'll be a few years before they get there again, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, it's hard to disagree, unfortunately. I think they, similar to the likes of Derby and Sheffield Wednesday, were trying to have a proper crack at getting to the Premier League, weren't they? And Mm -hmm. it just didn't work out. Not to the extent of Sheffield Wednesday and Derby, I will point out, but still having a crack at it nonetheless. And this is the result, unfortunately. The concerning thing for me with Bristol City is how many sellable assets have they actually got? You've got Alex Scott, Masengo after that. You're struggling a bit, aren't you, for uh, any players who you can actually make a decent amount of money from. So, yeah, whether this continues next in the next financial year as well, I don't think you can rule it out, can you? Transfer news time, Justin. The Telegraph says Villa striker Keenan Davis is set to sign for Forrest on loan for the rest of the season. We've known Forrest were going to get a striker in January and Davis appears to be the man that they're banking on being what they're missing
1: yeah it's it's an interesting one I think he's not played he's, he's barely played this season for Villa um, so he's going to need a few weeks to get up and running and by that point you're sort of in late January early February um, you need a player to come in and hit the ground running really especially Forrest who as we were saying earlier in the episode they need a uh, uh, support for Lewis Grabban to to hit the goals. Is he the right man to do it? I hope he is. I like Keenan Davis. Yeah, he's not had a fair crack at um, at Villa, and I hope he he gets his chance to to really try and prove himself and hopefully get a permanent away from Villa Park, permanent move away from Villa Park.
0: We well, see that. I, I always find players like Davis really interesting because he's 24, hardly ever mm-hmm. plays for Villa, does he? So why would he be there if he wasn't a talented player? so there is that aspect of it Mm. worth pointing out as well as far as i'm aware it's not going to be alone with a view to a permanent move so if that is the case villa must clearly see him as a future premier league player otherwise they'd be trying to get him off the books wouldn't they there's no point in Mm. hanging around so that just enforces the idea to me that he's a talented player and i say that because he's played so little that it's hard to make a proper judgment on him from you know using our own eyes but steve (laughs) cooper's got a good knowledge of younger players in this country, hence why so many young players play well for him. So I'm excited to see how Davis does. We know what he brings to the team, don't we, in terms of being a big physical boy. So just have to wait and see. Uh, Sky Sports say Brighton forward Aaron Connolly is expected to move to Middlesbrough for the rest of the season. Thoughts on that one, Justin?
1: It's an interesting one. He's a, he's a player who runs a lot, um, which is good for Wilder system. Uh, again, not very... Prolific uh, would be the easiest way to sum him up. Um, it's, yeah, it's, if, if he fits the Wilder system and Wilder thinks he's a good signing, you look at his signings for Sheffield United when they got promoted. They really added something, something different. Different. I think Kieran Dow was one of them. Um, so I think if if they can if he adds something to the squad, he adds a bit more depth as well in that forward department. I think it's a useful signing.
0: He, he has always come across to me as the, being the kind of striker who links up play as opposed to scoring goals. And I'd have said, that's what Sparard does. So it feels to me like they still need a striker, despite this signing. Whether that's the plan, I'm not too sure. Because I'm still looking at this Middlesbrough side, still looking a a goalscorer. So uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see if the Borough do dip into the market again. But if they are looking at Conley and hoping that he's going to be the goalscorer, then maybe they've seen something that I haven't. But uh, in the sh- small amount of time that I've seen in play for Brighton, I haven't seen... A prolific goal scorer in there, I've got to say. The Stoke Sentinel is reporting that defender Leo Ostergaard is going to have his loan spell cut short. Strange how that's turned out, isn't it, Justin? He was excellent Mm. in the first few games. Then his form has steadily declined until he just simply fell out the team.
1: Yeah, shed shed a tear for him because we we hyped up the move quite a lot, didn't we? We were big fans of it. And on paper, it it looked fantastic. He added a lot of balance to that back three that Michael O'Neill started with. I don't think injuries have helped the balance of the team um, and Oster- Ostergaard is one of those that suffers. I, I think he he has to improve massively with the ball at his feet as well, because um, I think that's, that's another area where he he was found out a little bit at Stoke. But hopefully he gets a move again into the Championship, or he'll, yeah, I mean he'll probably go abroad now. But nonetheless, he's a good player, and it's a shame to see him leave the Championship.
0: I think he will get another move to the Championship if any Championship clubs are interested in him. Um, I think, more interestingly, it opens up the space for another defender, for Stoke, to bring in, which is obviously an area where they need strength in considering they've lost Suter and now they've lost Ostergaard as well. And then... Otherwise, you're relying on Chester and Bat, aren't you? Two players whose best years are both behind them. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Stoke do bring someone in. I expect they would do, considering this has happened now. And uh, they're looking a bit thin on the ground in terms of centre-halves now. So, yeah, let's uh, wait and see on that one. And finally, West Brom youngster Taylor Gardner-Hickman has signed a new deal to keep him at the club until 2026. He's really impressed in the handful of games he's played so far. So... Good for the Albion to tie him down. Away from transfer news, Justin, what have you made of Gary Neville's comments this week? He tweeted that the EFL has to stop these cancellations unless in exceptional circumstances. Uh, he went on to say each club has 40 to 50 players, including youth team as a minimum. If it's the Carabao Cup or EFL trophy, they find a team without fielding the first 11. And then you finished off by saying get on with it. What do you think?
1: I I do agree with him. Um, I do think squads are big enough, but again, again, it's the EFL rules that are a bit of a hindrance because there's these 25-man squads that EFL teams have got to register and there's a certain amount of games, um, I can't remember how many games it is now, um, that applies to youngsters that don't have to be registered. So if they play four games, for example, for the senior team, they don't have to be registered. Um, I do think the FO rules hold them back a little bit. We saw it with the testing protocols uh, that they've now changed. If they change these, at least for the season, um, uh, the the registration rules, for example, I think that will help matters even more. He's right, probably a little bit harsh, but a little bit more direct, but it's Gary Neville. that's pretty much where I'm at with, with it. I don't don't necessarily agree with him, don't disagree with him either.
0: Yeah, I don't really have an opinion on it either, to be quite honest. And finally, Forest fans <laughs> and Rangers fans have been having a mighty old debate on social media. It's after Rangers tweeted that it will be having a special match in March to celebrate its one hundred and fiftieth anniversary, claiming to be the first major European club to be one hundred and fifty years old. Now Forest were formed in eighteen sixty five. So have already had their 150 year anniversary and therefore Forest fans have been annoyed at the idea that they're not a major European club, considering they've obviously won two European Cups um, Have you seen this at all Justin? I have,
1: it's, it's been quite funny and it's, it's quite interesting that Rangers were formed about nine years ago less we had so yeah, I mean I hope they're going to get too many SPL listeners on the podcast because I'll get pelts for that but they were formed nine years ago not 150 years ago yeah, and as far as if we're to get technical
0: and as far as i'm aware forest have had no liquidations in the 150 yeah. years that they've been around it's all very silly anyway why rangers couldn't just say they're celebrating their 150 year anniversary i don't know but now they've opened up this whole silly debate which i'm now going to wade into For me, <laughs> forest are a bigger club than rangers simply because the scottish domestic game why are you pulling that face just carry on, make your point. Let's well, go. The, the Scottish domestic game has declined so much over the last few years. And if you're a player, Justin, who would you rather sign for, Forest or Rangers?
1: Well, I, I'd say Rangers. I don't know. I'd say Rangers. <laughs>
0: I'd say Forest every day of the week. I'd, I think. Well, most, I, I think most pros would as well.
1: You no, know, I'd rather sign for Rangers because then I open up a move, a big move elsewhere. If I'm young, definitely.
0: If Forest, you could end up in the Premier League with them.
1: Yeah, but you could end up in the Premier League if you play well for Rangers. I, d- I think it's a, le- a lot less likely.
0: Yeah,
1: let's not rule it out. I don't think. I don't think you can throw that much. Dis- I mean, I, I already did for Rangers anyway. But I don't think you can throw that much disrespect towards the quality of the league, given that a lot of the really good players end up down in the Championship anyway.
0: But anyway, if you're looking in terms of history, Forest have won two yeah. European Cups, while Rangers haven't won any major European titles whatever the case it's very embarrassing for Rangers and hopefully they'll change it so they can become the second biggest European football club to reach 150 years Um, let's end that there shall we Justin now it's time for this all
1: right, all right. Settle down, you lot. It's time for the Craig Bryson pub quiz.
0: Indeed it is, Mr. Bartender. This is the game where Justin and I try to guess a mystery championship legend. This week, it's Justin's turn to give me six clues on a player who's made at least 200 championship appearances. I've just got to guess who that bugger is. The score currently is 7-6. to myself. You know the deal by now. It's been ages since one of us got one wrong. Is that going to change today? Who knows? Let's find out, shall we? Justin, can I have the first clue, please?
1: you can uh, this isn't the first clue but this, this guy's a bit of a cool hero of mine um, watching football so okay. interesting here we go I've made 241 appearances scoring 9 goals 241
0: appearances scoring 9 goals
1: Darren Purse no that's a great guess though I think he scored more I think he was a good goal scorer anyway I started my career at Sheffield Wednesday where I played 100 games before making the move to Sheffield United Ooh, that puts this player in a very select
0: group of players. Yeah, that's really thrown me off. I can't think of any players who have crossed the border like that. Crossed the border? Is there a border? <laughs> Gone across the city? Got a taxi to <laughs> Bramall Lane? Um, I don't think he did. Chris Morgan didn't play for Sheffield Wednesday, did he?
1: I don't. Th- no, he didn't.
0: No, no. Okay, that's the only player who came to mind.
1: I played a key part in the famous Neil Warnock side before losing my place under Brian Robson and being sold. Um, Lee Bromby.
0: Fuck. Is that it? (laughs) 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 What a shout. What a shout for me that is. (laughs) Just fallen off his chair.
1: (laughs) There are some times where the clues don't really give anything away but you just pluck someone out of the air like I did with um, Danny Haynes a few weeks ago well that's because as soon
0: as you said that famous Sheffield United side there were only so many defenders in that side who were coming to my head so there's, Bromby there's was like, always going to be
1: there's uh, loads there's, there's Derek Geary there's Rob Kuzluk there's Jaggy Elker oh, piss
0: what were the rest of the clues?
1: there weren't easy clues uh, the, the, the next one is I moved to Watford for 800k and played there for two seasons very forgetful part of his career to be
0: quite honest I, I don't really recall anything else from Lee Bomby, Bromby's career apart from him being at Sheffield United
1: well this is where it starts to get weird throughout my career I was synonymous for my long throw to the point where I had to go on record to let people know that there was more to my game than just throwing the ball long that was in the Watford Observer CC Mr Delap. <laughs> that's true no idea what he did other than throw the ball long Midway through my second season, I went back to Sheffield United on loan where I played a key part in the Blades' run to the playoff final under Clevin Blackwell. Mm -hmm. Final clue is, I then signed permanently for the Blades before moving in the same summer permanently to Leeds United where I was essential in their uh, League One promotion before retiring and moving into coaching.
0: I remember him being at Leeds, Mm. but I I honestly cannot remember anything else from his career really. If I was being quite cynical, then I'd say that's probably on the, you know, less prominent players that we've had in the Craig Bryson this season. But considering we keep getting every single one right, Justin, maybe I should follow suit and start going for lesser-known players like that.
1: Oh, yeah, Danny Danny Haynes and Deli Adibola fall into them categories for me. Hang on
0: a second. Deli Adibola, <laughs> are you really
1: saying he's not a championship legend? I'm not saying he's not a championship legend, but he's one of those that you quite easily forget about. I just
0: remember him for the tweet.
1: there you go (laughs) that's it ladies and
0: gentlemen second tier done for 2021 how about that we'll be back again in 2022 alive and kicking in fact we'll be back on Tuesday the 4th because we've got games for the next three days for some reason Um, so we'll be able to react to all of them the ones that are actually played on the Tuesday so we look forward to seeing you then Otherwise, yeah, this has been the second tier. Thank you for listening throughout 2021. We look forward to seeing you again. So happy new year to all our listeners. And we'll be back again on Tuesday. I've been Ryan Dilkes. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening.